Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Writer's Block Podcast, Season 2, Episode 18. I'm your host, Brandon Laurie, and alongside me, I have David Halman, Brandon Clements, and our own New Year's baby. Uh, that is Chris Halling, the youngest member of the podcast. Uh, happy New Year to all of you on uh, the Block and the Boys Podcast Network, all you guys that listen to us weekly, daily. Um, happy, happy holidays to everyone. We hope that you enjoyed the holiday season just as much as you enjoyed the Cowboys' thrilling victory over the Detroit Lions by a score of 20-19. to 19. Uh, Everyone will have a chance to talk about the game in some form or fashion, but we're going to do things a little different because with it being the holidays, we're going to try and keep everything condensed, nice and short and sweet for you guys. So uh, I don't know if anybody here ever had the 20 questions little uh, orb that would pop up. Um, it was like a Toys R Us special, something like that. It was 20 questions. You go through and you answer all of them. It was quite fun as a child. Uh, but we're going to do a variation of that where I'm going to be asking 24 burning questions around the Cowboys from this past weekend, potentially looking ahead as it is the year of 2024. And we're going to be having a running clock here and we're going to try and get it done in under 42 minutes the reverse of 24 so with that being said chris i will start with you first uh was the cowboys win over the detroit Lions their signature win of the season of course beating a team with a winning a winning record and then also a good team at that uh, it was a great uh, team win, and it was uh, a huge win to just show that they can win those gritty close games. And it's you know it's not the game that they're used to at home, but I still think their signature win of the year is their uh, dominant performance over the Philadelphia Eagles, just because it's Philadelphia Eagles. And I think that that without that win, they wouldn't be in the position that they are in now that, to uh, potentially take the division as well as 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 well as the number two seed. Howman, uh, if you are a Detroit Lions fan. Um, what has been the worst call over the last nine years against the Cowboys in big time moments? Is it the Anthony Hitchens no PI call in the wild card game? And I know that wasn't a playoff game, but then also you have the Taylor Decker illegal touching penalty that just happened this past weekend, where the Lions could have been the number two seed uh, if they beat the Cowboys. They'd have that tiebreaker, of course, but now they're going to be the number three seed and maybe host just one playoff game, depending on how things shake out. Well, I think, uh, I mean, First off, both of them were, I think, the right call because in that game, you know, in the playoffs, Anthony Hitchens was making contact, but he was also getting his face mask tugged. So, you know, if, if they call it completely correctly, that's offsetting penalties for the record. And two, with, you know, Taylor Decker, obviously, we've talked all about this, uh, you know, written on the site, talked about it on some podcasts already. Um, but, I mean, the, the official announced it, that it was Dan Skipper eligible. Like, they should have turned around and said, hey, we got to figure this out before we run the play. So um, I, I think probably I'd lean towards this one with, with the, the eligible, who, who's eligible and who's not, just because it looks like there was a mistake that Brad Allen made, but at the same time, the Lions still have to be able to to turn around and say, hey, we want to we make sure this guy's eligible. 
Um, but Dan Campbell came out and said also, like, Cowboys beat us. They were the better team. Like, we, we got to take accountability and move on. So Lions got to move on, and they got the playoffs ahead of them. Clements, uh, the Eagles entered December at 10-1. and one. Uh, They played five games in the past month and lost four out of the five games. How bad are the Philadelphia Eagles right now? They were frauds all like they, they've been frauds all year in my opinion, and now it's now it's really come out to fruition. I mean, all, I, I feel like Philadelphia Eagles fans are at the gates right now, wanting to play everybody. I, I saw you know online they're melting down because that's what they do. They want to tear down the city essentially. So I, I've always I've been saying it all year. I feel like I feel like the Niners have been the class of the NFC. Like that we can go back to you know multiple episodes. I've said that all year. The Niners are the class of the NFC. Uh, they just I think they're the class of the NFL. I think they're the best they're the best team in the league right now in my opinion. So the Eagles to me like they're a decent team, but I didn't think their record was indicative, you know, coming into December of how, you know, what kind of a team they were. I, I felt like they were I felt like they were like a 9-10 win team. That's where I was honestly all season and they, you know, they won a few games, a lot of squeakers throughout the year. So to me, I felt like they were a fraudulently a fraudulently, I don't know, like a you know a ten a ten win team coming into December, and they're showing their real colors at this point. They lost to the Cardinals, who we also lost to. So guess what, Philadelphia Eagles fans, you can't throw that that in our face. So that's you know that's that's one thing we can add to that. But yeah, they're I mean they're still a quality team. If if they if the things if things fall in place for them, I feel like they could still do some damage in the playoffs. But I, I, I've been saying it all year. I still think the Cowboys are a better team, and obviously they control the destiny. So right now the Dallas Cowboys are the better team, and uh, they have a shoe-in. As long as they can beat the Commanders uh, next uh, Sunday afternoon, they got a shoe-in for the number two seed. Yeah, maybe we'll actually talk about this at the end with the Eagles and where things stand with them. But I, I just saw a headline today from the Philadelphia Inquirer how um, it was an article coming out about the team and where they stand. And the headline says the Eagles have a problem. It wears number 11. It wears headsets and it's tearing the team apart, basically putting the blame on A.J. Brown. Lack of leadership. It really just feels like everything is spiraling out of control. You saw even last week when they were beating the Giants uh, in that very, very close uh, game, you know, Nick Sirianni's talking with Devonta Smith. They're really kind of just going back and forth in a winning game. So clearly things are not right in the city of brotherly love. But Chris, um, is Dak Prescott still to you considered an MVP front runner or is it sort of little too late? I know he had a great game against the Lions, but the games against Buffalo and then, of course, the loss in Miami. He played well in that game, but when they ultimately lose, it kind of you know might reflect the MVP standings. Is he still an MVP to you or maybe Lamar Jackson has separated himself? Where does that stand? I think that Dak Prescott's 92-yard touchdown was probably the most impressive throw slash play of the NFL season, regardless of the team. However, I think it's a little bit too late for him uh, with those uh, two performances with the Bills and the Miami Dolphins. And with the way Lamar Jackson has been playing, I mean, Lamar went into San Francisco and put on a show, and then he just dominated those Miami Dolphins. I mean, I mean those are two teams that uh, Dak Prescott did not look great against at all. So I think that Lamar Jackson has kind of solidified this MVP. But I do still think that Dak Prescott played tremendous against the Lions. And that's why the Cowboys really have to secure that number two seed so that they can continue to play at home for at least two rounds to have Dak Prescott in AT&T Stadium because that's where he plays his best. Howman, in a season where there's no consensus for NFL MVP, I think a lot of things, awards and all that will be more looked at it. Who's the better player? Maybe overall stats won't define what means an NFL MVP. Of course, Lamar Jackson doesn't have the best touchdown numbers and stuff like that, but you're just looking at overall football player. Why can't Demarcus Lawrence then be an all-pro defensive end? Because I think with what we saw on Saturday against the Lions, I mean, 
overall edge players in the NFL. He's certainly at the top of the list, but he, he might not have the gaudy sack numbers, but when you look at stopping the run, there were a lot of moments in that game where you know he's making sure that the Lions running backs, whether it was Gibbs or Montgomery, didn't cross the line of scrimmage. I mean, yeah, you'll, you'll get no argument from me here. Demarcus Lawrence has been uh, one of the most underrated defensive players for quite a few years now, um, and this year I feel like he's just on another level too. He's He's making plays in the pass rush. Uh, of course, he doesn't have the gaudy sack numbers, like you said, but he's getting pressures. He also is competing with a whole bunch of other great pass rushers on this Dallas defensive line, one of them being Micah Parsons, uh, who I'm pretty sure at this point still leads the league in, in pressures and is one of the front runners for defensive player of the year. And he's also, you know, Demarcus Lawrence is also one of the most dominant run defenders uh, in the NFL, and, and he's been doing just playing out of his mind these last few weeks especially. So I think he's deserving of all the flowers out there, all the all the awards of Pro Bowl, All Pro, all of that. Um, but also, there, I mean, there are a lot of great players throughout the league that play at his position. So, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like with the MVP too, where you know, even if Dak Prescott goes out and plays well, well, Lamar Jackson also goes out and plays well. These other players go out. There's, you know, there's only one person that can get this particular award, and you know, it's unfortunate that some guys like Lawrence will get overlooked, but. In my opinion, he deserves all of it. I also love his celebration, too, where he points to his helmet uh, and just to show that, listen, I watch the film. I, I study the game. I'm a smart player, and I think he knows that, and I think that's pretty awesome. B1, uh, are the Cowboys saving Cavante Turpin packages uh, in the offense for, for the playoffs? I mean, because he was getting involved a lot more and more throughout the you know middle part of the season, but we haven't really seen him as much. Uh, I need more Turpin time in my life what what's been going on what are what are you looking at i think they are i think they're holding something together for a, a moment in the playoffs i feel like yeah we've we've seen his usage really fluctuate where he was getting into the games a little more often in the middle parts of the season and to your point he was you know he was he hasn't really done much recently and and obviously in the return game you know like kickoffs kickoffs are pretty much nothing now you can't really get a return anymore unless you're the i think you're the, the kid from the, the minnesota vikings he returns everything but uh turpin's not getting kick returns Punt returns. The punters know what they're doing. They're they're kicking it sky high. They're not giving Turpin a chance. Like there's no line drives. Like it's they're they're gonna pop it up high. Even if it's a 35 yard punt, they'd rather not get the ball in Turpin's hands. He's he's very safe about calling a fair catch. He's not taking any risk. So uh, and then on the offensive side, yeah, you're not seeing him on the field, which which is which is kind of annoying because he's such a flashy player. And he, you know, to me, like, you know, they were talking about Jamison Williams, like, and he's a really flashy player from Alabama, from Alabama, and obviously plays with the Detroit Lions. And they were showing off his speed, which obviously was apparent against the Cowboys this past weekend. And I'm sitting there when he made that big play, and I'm like, why are we not doing that with Turpin? Like, Turpin's, I think Turpin's faster than than Jamison. I think he, I just think he is. And I think the 40 times would put it out there. He's one of the, like, Turpin's probably, he's got to be up there with Tyreek Hill. He's one of the fastest guys in the league, if not the fastest guy in the league. But I do think I do think they're saving it because I don't want I don't think they want to show all their cards, you know, for you know for a, a maybe a regular season game where you know it's like well it would help us win a regular season game, but we might need something in the divisional round. And I'm going to call it right now: if the Cowboys can get to the divisional round, I think you're going to see a, a trick a trick play where Turpin's involved, and I think Turpin's going to do something really fun, and uh, he could score a touchdown in the playoffs. So I'm, I'm going to put that out there. I think Turpin scores a touchdown in the playoffs. And I, I will say, I was expecting some sort of trickery because we saw in 2016 uh, when the Cowboys played the Lions at home to, to, I think it was the second to last week of the season, they had that triple reverse Des Bryant touchdown pass to Jason Witten. Everyone was like, 
Why didn't they say that for the playoffs? And I guess maybe, who knows? Maybe Mike McCarthy saw something on film. He's like, you know what? Let's let's not you know go too deep in the bag here of tricks uh, before the end of the year. Um, Chris, the biggest disappointment so far, in your opinion, with regards to development, um, and this nece- necessarily doesn't mean for the rest of their careers, but just overall this year, Mozzie Smith or Damone Clark? Who are you just a little bit more disappointed with? I'm still going to uh, go with Mozzie Smith. Um, I don't think that uh, he's really um, jumped off the screen the way that I feel like a first-round pick should. I understand that a defensive tackle is more of a position that doesn't, you know, get those big sacks. He, you know, it doesn't get a ton of pressure and really make those flashy plays. But he hasn't really clogged up the middle the way that I think Cowboys – fans and the Cowboys front office was hoping for. Um, I think Damone Clark played very well at the beginning of the year. Um, and, and I think recently, you know, we've seen kind of a dip in his production, but I think that actually goes hand in hand with Mozzie Smith's play and with the interior defensive lines play. I think that Damone Clark looked a lot better when Jonathan Hankins was in there. And I think that we're seeing a big drop off without Jonathan Hankins. For you, Hellman, how huge would it be for Dallas's defense to have Donovan Wilson and Jordan Lewis carry that positive momentum into the playoffs. Of course, Donovan Wilson battled the calf injury in, in the uh, training camp in the offseason. Um, didn't really look like the same player as we saw last year. Jordan Lewis, of course, coming back from the foot injury, you know, saying that he's finally getting back to his normal self. Both players had interceptions, huge interceptions in the game. How huge is that for them moving forward? Yeah, it's massive for this defense because these are two these are two veteran guys. They've been around um, for uh, a few defensive coordinators at this point, uh, some of the longest tenured guys on this defense. Um, and and both of them, like you said, like they had injuries you know, earlier on in the year. Jordan Lewis's injury was more significant. They said it was you know, potentially career-threatening at one point. So for him to even be playing at this point, especially – when you know in week one he was a backup, like he was he was on the bench because they were you know so rich at the corner position, they didn't even expect for him to be playing this much, and he's kind of been working back into his his groove. And last couple of weeks he's been doing better, and then this week against the Lions, um, you know obviously you know, for Jordan like personally he's he's from Detroit, he he wants to play especially well against the Lions. He was able to do that, made a pick, also made a pick against the Lions last year, which is when he he suffered the injury. Um, so he's playing better, and that's that's huge because the slot corner position with Jordan Lewis has kind of been up and down throughout the year. Um, and then with Donovan Wilson, I mean, he when he's playing the way that he has been the last few weeks, he's just you know he's a wrecking ball moving around there in the defensive backfield. Uh, as you saw in that interception, he's got good ball hawking skills. He's he's good in coverage, but he's also a thumper. We know that coming up in, in run support. So for those two guys to be you know getting back to you know vintage Jordan Lewis, vintage Donovan Wilson gives just an extra added layer of, of flavor to this defense. And that's exactly what they need because defense hasn't really, you know, been what we expect from this defense. So getting those two guys up to a hundred percent for the playoffs would be huge. And Donovan Wilson led the team with 11 tackles on Saturday night. So that's big as well. Uh, B one, did the Seattle Seahawks game sour Duran Bland's confidence a little bit? Um, it just seems like that over the past few weeks, maybe he's playing it a little bit more safe in coverage. I know Amon Ross St. Brown's a great, great wide receiver in the NFL, highly underrated. Um, but we've just seen a little bit more splash plays against someone um, who not only has the interception numbers, but also was highly graded, according to PFF, for the majority of the season in coverage in Duran Bland. Um, what have you seen from Bland recently? Is he sort of just playing it a little too safe? Is that sort of what the defense is dictating? What have you seen? 
So for me, I don't. I feel like it's not that at all. I feel like I feel like it's ebbs and flows of the game. I feel like we've we've seen this with Trayvon Diggs, where Trayvon Diggs, you know, but you know, last year and, and up obviously up until he got hurt earlier this year, it's he's a make or break kind of player. Like he's going to make some big plays, or you're going to get beat. So to me, I feel like yeah, I'm not saying Brown is he's he's a he's a unicorn. He's one of the best receivers in the game. I was surprised they held him in check as long as they did because that was the one guy that I was worried about the most. Maybe. You know, maybe Sam Laporta as well because of the linebacker situation. But Deron Bland, Deron Bland to me is a, is a guy that he, I feel like they're steering away from him, and I think that's I think that's by design. They're not they're not passing the ball as much as they as they were because he's a proven commodity now. Once you've once you've intercepted the ball and pick, you know scored as many touchdowns as he has this year and obviously last year. Teams are taking notice of that, and I feel like they're steering clear of him more than they, you know. I think I think coaches are telling their quarterbacks if you can, if, if it looks good, maybe throw it the, the, in Bland's direction. But if it's not perfect, like don't even go to Bland because Bland's one of those dudes where it doesn't matter if he's in the and like we've seen. The, there's a couple interceptions where it looked like he was out of the frame, and then he just came out of the in the frame last second, picks it off, rolls on the ground catches it and just he just goes to the end zone. He's just one of those guys where I think it's more the coaching staff, the opposing coaching staff steering away from Deron Bland versus, you know, Deron Bland having confidence issues. I don't think he has confidence issues. I think he's in good shape. I think I think he'll be fine. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Deron Bland and I'll call another shout out. You know, that's what that's what I do here on on our writer's block. You know, I think I think Deron Bland's due for an interception. I think he gets one another one before the season's over. Season postseason before the before the uh Cowboys season's done one way or the other. Chris, uh, Tony Pollard, I think, is just uh, somewhat of 70 yards around there, shy of 1,000 yards rushing on the season. It might be 935 last time I checked. Uh, but against the Lions, he had 16 carries for 49 yards, a 3.1 average. Certainly not the year that we expected from Tony Pollard. Um, he came out a few weeks ago saying he's really finally feeling healthy compared to what happened last year with the injury. Um, I think that the Cowboys running game actually was was decent considering the circumstances on Saturday where the Lions were the fifth-ranked uh, defense uh, against the run in the NFL, allowing just 88.8 yards per game. What did you see from the running game on Saturday? Are you concerned at all going into the playoffs with Tony Pollard? Or maybe it could have been just a case where Rico Daddle was really missed in this in this matchup and you're not really getting too much from Deuce Vaughn right now. I think the run game is a little bit concerning because it's not like, you know, like the dominant like prime Ezekiel Elliott, you know, 13, you know, 100 plus rushing yards. But at the same time, like, I think people are overreacting about Tony Pollard. I mean, if you look at the beginning of that game, there weren't a lot of holes for him to run through. There's There were people in his face right after he got the handoff. Like, I don't really know what we're expecting him to do in that situation. I will admit that that dropped pass that he had, that's something that, you know, like that's a play that you expect Tony Pollard to make, and that's something that he's been really good at throughout his career. But, you know, I think people are, are honestly overreacting, and I'm still not opposed to even bringing him back on a cheaper deal, you know, you know, for the future. I think he's going to bounce back from this. I think he kind of had a, you know, you know, a rough start to the season, you know, because he uh, wasn't fully healthy. But um, but I think that he's still a, a really good running back in the NFL. And, you know, he was able to get some, you know, pretty impressive runs, I think, later throughout that Lions game. And um, I think it's a little bit concerning, but also – I think that what's more concerning is the play calling with Mike McCarthy. I think he kind of stuck with it too much and he should have, you know, kind of you know, spread the offense out more, you know, in the later stages of that game. Um, I just don't want him to, you know, keep, keep, you know, um, um, beating that nail into something that's not working. You know, I want him to, you know, 
you know, um, go to CD Lamb, go to these other receivers, you know, you know, feature Brandon Cooks more, really spread that offense out. I think that, you know, um, there are a lot of plays where um, Mike McCarthy was choosing to run the football when he should have been passing. And then, you know, um, at that deep shot he had late in the fourth quarter, I'm like, why are you passing now? This is when you should be running. So I think really it's, it, it has a lot to do with the play calling when you should run, when you shouldn't run. I think Tony Pollard is fine. I'm really not overreacting the way that uh, some fans are. Howman, I mentioned that the Lions were allowing just 88.8 yards per game. Speaking of 88, uh, how much money is CeeDee Lamb going to command uh, this offseason, either this offseason or next year? Because, I mean, my God, it's going to be uh, a hefty payday for for Big 88. Yeah, Jerry Jones got to start revving up the Brinks truck to back it up to his house right now. So, I mean, Lamb is going to be – if he's not – if he doesn't become the highest paid receiver at the time that he signs that contract, then – that's going to be a good deal for the Cowboys. I mean, CD Lamb has done everything and more that you could ask for him. I mean, breaking both of Michael Irvin's records in the same game, in a game where Michael Irvin's there in attendance to see it happen, and also doing it in, you know, in the second to last game. So you can't look at it and say, oh, well, you know, he, he had an extra game compared to what Michael Irvin had. You know, there's an asterisk around it. Um, you know, everything that Lamb has done this year. He steps up, he makes the plays, and that's exactly what you want to see from a player like that. And that's the kind of guy that you reward with pretty much whatever he's asking for. Obviously, there's going to be negotiations. The Cowboys are going to try to get the best deal that they can. But at the end of the day, a guy like CeeDee Lamb, you know you gotta you got to pay him whatever it takes to keep him, and he's going to earn every single cent of that. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity – but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. VAN29.com. So, B1, we know that CeeDee Lamb has his fifth-year option already exercised for next year, but the Cowboys can also start negotiating with Micah Parsons as well, too. Who gets an extension first, Micah or CeeDee? Oh, my goodness. That's like splitting hairs. I like them both, obviously. I mean, coming off of what CeeDee Lamb just did, where he, you know, he's now – what 122 receptions, uh, 651 yards. I think he broke both the, the the records there for the team. So I mean, at this stage, oh god, I gotta go with Micah Parsons still. You know, Micah Parsons to me, you know, you you can't, you know, you can. I don't want to say receivers are a diamond dozen. I don't want to say that, but I feel like if you have an elite edge rusher, I feel like that, you know, from in my perspective, it goes it goes quarterback gets the highest, protecting the quarterback and then getting after the quarterback. So by that metric, 
you know, for my, my own personal metric, you know, I would have to give money to Micah Parsons. Sure. He doesn't maybe show up in the stats every single week. Like, I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people are expecting 20, 20, you know, 20, 25 sacks a season. That's not going to happen because he gets held and not called uh, getting, getting the holding calls that he should. I think we all can talk about that. So I think Micah Parsons, I, I would edge out, uh, you know, CD lamb in that case. But I think if Jerry Jones, uh, Jerry Jones wants to keep being competitive, he's got to pay them both. You know, I don't, you know, I know it's, that's easier said than done. I mean, there's going to be negotiations. So if I had to lean one way at this point, it is Micah Parsons, but it's like a slight lean just because of his position versus, you know, versus uh, CDs. But CD Lamb is going to get paid. I think Micah Parsons is going to get paid. I think Jerry Jones is going to pay both, but I think, I think you can get Micah Parsons done first. Not to mention Dak Prescott still needs an extension too with that $60 million cap hit. And so, I mean, but I, it's going to be a crazy offseason. We will talk about that in due time. Okay. But, I mean, it, I can't wait. Uh, we're going to put all of our uh, financial literacy hats on for that one. Um, Chris, I asked you before about the Cowboys running game. Looking at their run defense, uh, what did you think of it? Because Montgomery and Gibbs are one of the best duos of running backs in the NFL. They held David Montgomery to 65 yards, a 4.6 average, and Jameer Gibbs to 43 yards, a 2.3 average. We mentioned Demarcus Lawrence with a lot of good run stops. Micah Parsons, Damone Clark got in there a little bit. Um, did you think that the running defense was improved? And this is also, too, without Jonathan Hankins, so it could get better from here. Yeah, I think they've improved every single week since that Bills game. Um, I think that it's kind of hard not to improve from that Bills game because that was one of the worst run defense showings in the history of this organization. But, um, yeah, no, I definitely think that they looked actually really good. And, honestly, it speaks a lot to uh, to um, to uh, um, Demarcus Lawrence, his play specifically, because he really was back there multiple times and um, getting it at the running back. And I also think too, I know that they kind of spoke how they wouldn't do, uh, how they wouldn't do this, but I think that they have moved uh, Micah Parsons around a little bit more than just having him straight to edge. And I think that we've seen a benefit from that. Um, he's been able to, you know, I think have a bigger impact on the run defense when he's not you know, stuck on the line of scrimmage, you know, just, just pressuring the quarterback. So I think that they're doing much better against the run. And I think that it'll get better too. Once Jonathan Hankins comes back. Uh, it was reported on Sunday uh, before the game started that Tyler Smith suffered a full plantar fascia tear in his left foot versus Detroit. We know he kind of left the game was walk on the sideline, still had his helmet on, but didn't come back into the game. Uh, Todd Archer is reporting that a full tear in some ways is better than a partial. We know that I think that this, happened with Tony Pollard a few years back. He was out a few weeks and then came back. So how am I going to ask you with a, you know, win the division game coming up, um, if Tyler Smith is, let's say, 75% healthy, do you play him against Washington or do you put TJ Bass in there and give Tyler Smith two weeks to rest? Well, first of all, I just want to say this is yet another reminder of just how different these NFL players are. <laughs> because just how I, I felt when, like, Mike McCarthy had his, his surgery and yeah. was coached on the sidelines – and like this guy goes and tears his planner and people are like, Oh, that's good news. You can be out there in a couple of weeks. And like, I, I get out of bed funny and I'm, I'm done for the week. Um, so, you know, credit to Tyler Smith for being a warrior and being able to be in a spot where we're even having this conversation. Personally though, I, I think I would roll with, with TJ Bass um, or, or potentially Chuma Doga. I was honestly a little surprised that they didn't put Doga out there at left guard because he started the year as the top backup option at left guard, although I know he had some some injury issues this week. Um, but either one of those guys, I mean, Idoga, he's struggled at left tackle. He was much better when he was at left guard. TJ Bass in this last game was, I think it was his best game, uh, you know, as, as a professional. Um, he's gotten better each week. 
and didn't give up a single pressure in, in this game playing at left guard. And he also hadn't played left guard since I think week two. Um, so for him to be able to, to play that position, just kind of on a, on the fly and play it so well, um, you know, and also I don't, I don't want to get overconfident in this game cause you've got to win it, but like Washington's defense is <laughs> not good. So I think that's one where you probably feel a little confident saying, you know, Tyler, you can sit for a week and just get better with that foot. Yeah. And not to mention, I mean, if any game had to be missed, unfortunately for Ty- Tyler Smith, um, they, the commanders still have Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. I don't know if they're completely healthy. I don't know if they played, but I know Deron Payne was, was battling injury, I think a, a few weeks ago, but um, that's certainly something to monitor as well too. So we'll see how the week progresses, but uh, B1, we also knew that Tyler or Tyron Smith was a questionable uh, consideration coming into the game. He ended up playing. Maybe not his absolute best game this year. I think he allowed uh, his first sack on the season uh, to Aiden Hutchinson. Um, but if Tyron Smith isn't completely healthy, do you sit him against Washington? Yeah, I mean, Hama just made the point. Uh, I think the commanders are not really that great. I mean, I think they, they've already they, – they trade one of their best edge rushers to the, the San Francisco 49ers of all, of all teams this, this, uh, this, at the trade deadline. So, to me, the commanders – and again – I'm not saying we take the commanders lightly because anytime you take any any team, especially a division rival, lightly, you're probably going to get beat. But I feel like there's enough pieces there on the offensive line. You know, I and you know, and Hamlin's more of a fan of a doga than I am from his from a playing standpoint. So you know, I, it makes it makes me a little nervous to put a doga out there at left tackle, uh, for example. But if you're going to do it against any team, the commanders is probably not a terrible spot to put him in. And then TJ Bass, you guys know me; I've been banging on that drum all year. That TJ Bass is my guy. He's been he's been one of my favorites. So you know, I, I think I think this could be a good. Uh, I don't want to say I don't, I don't want to say the word bye week, but just you know, just a week of rest for for a couple of our guys that are banged up. And then, you know, get ready for the playoffs because to me, I'd rather have Tyron Smith in the playoffs, obviously, and same thing with Tyler Smith. So, you know, a game against the Commanders versus a game in the playoffs, I'll set those guys out. The Cowboys are still in the playoffs regardless. Obviously, we want some home cooking. So I'll go that way. And here's the other thing. Uh, just you, you said, you know, uh, Tyron Smith looked a little, you know, not as, not as normal dominating self. He played Aiden Hutchinson, so I'll give him a hard, I'll give him a hard pass, you know, a fair pass for that one. Aiden Hutchinson's one of the, you know, best players in the league. I said it on on, on X this past weekend. He's just, he's just really good. So, you know, if you're gonna get beat by a guy like Aiden Hutchinson and uh, even like a TJ Watt out there, you know, that's gonna happen sometimes. Those guys are just really good. So, yeah, rest them up. Let's uh, let's get ready for the playoffs. Chris, to wrap up the injury conversation, I think the big thing for me is, you know, you saw what happened with Miami. Yesterday, where Bradley Chubb, and again, as we're recording this on Monday, Sunday, when it happened, where Bradley Chubb was still playing in the fourth quarter. You know, I think they were down by almost 20 points at that point. Mike McDaniel said that they are playing the guys for pride, or at least just to see something positive. The Cowboys have been in a few scenarios like this, dating back to last year, going and playing Washington, where they left their starters in a little bit too long to some people, and then also this year against Buffalo. Um, Do you rest any players in Week 18? Because we saw what happened with Miami. They lose Bradley Chubb now to a torn ACL for the rest of the season. Um, Does that concern you at all? And again, the Cowboys still have stuff to play for, but if players aren't necessarily 100% healthy or maybe your stars, you want to keep them fresh and healthy like a CeeDee Lamb, you know, do they do they play the entire game? Do they play a half? What, what were you looking at? Um, I think that they should play at least a half. Hopefully you can um, um, kind of put a bow on that game prior to halftime so then you can rest them throughout the second half. It's not even just to protect the injuries, but it's kind of, you know, the same thing that I don't – 
really love the idea of the first round buy as much as some people do, just because I really think that it allows you to kind of build some rust. And I think that that's something that the Cowboys saw the last time that they did have the first round buy whenever they played the Packers. I feel like, you know, they came they came into that game a little rusty in the first half and they were able to kind of pull off, you know, a run in the second half and make it closer, you know, you know, until all of our hearts got broken. But um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't think anyone should rest unless they're really dealing with an injury, like in, in a Tyler Smith's perspective, I'm okay with, you know, allowing him to get some rest. Cause you know, it's a situation where he's kind of nursing an injury, but if you're healthy, I think that um, you should be playing in this game until it's out of reach because the Cowboys do still have something to play for. And it's not like this, it, it's not like the number two seed is locked up and it could be a huge difference. Cause you're looking at a situation where, you know, if they lock up that two seed, then, um, then uh, they're guaranteed at least, two home games, you know, you know, in the playoffs, assuming that, that, uh, they went in the wild card and that's huge. And, and, you know, if, um, if our prayers are answered and the 49ers are somehow upset in the divisional round, then, um, then um, you could be hosting, you know, a team in the NFC championship game at home as well. So it could just be huge for the Cowboys. So I think you have to make sure that you at least get that win. And then once that game's out of reach, then you pull your starters. We know that the new year and Christmas time, Howman, is, is a time for miracles to happen. Uh, Brandon Cooks needs just 382 yards to uh, get 1,000 yards on the season to have his, uh, I think, fifth time uh, doing that with a fifth team. We know that probably won't happen, but I ask you this. Is Brandon Cooks the best number two receiver Dallas has had since Dak Prescott has taken over at quarterback? He's been clutch all season, got another go-ahead touchdown um, against the Lions. I mean, he's been pretty special this year despite not having 1,000 yards. Yeah, when you said he only needs, what, 380-something, I yeah. was like, book it. Yeah. Easy money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was for legal reasons. That was a joke and not gambling advice. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I I still go back to the 2021 season when we were talking like, oh, you know, Dak's got really realistically he had three different wide receiver ones because Michael Gallup was playing at an insane level. Obviously, Amari Cooper and then Ceedee Lamb. Um, so you know that that's that's a tough one to beat just as far as talking about like your best wide receiver too. Um, but even if Cooks isn't the best secondary wide receiver he's had, he's darn good. And there were a few different – there's been plays like it all season long, but especially in this Lions game where, you know, the, the Lions were doing credit to them, a good job of timing their, their blitzes and getting pressure on Dak. And he just kind of had to throw blind and say, I, I'm trusting that Brandon Cooks is going to be there where I'm putting this ball. And, you know, he was there, and he was there to make the catch. And – he got open, he got separation, he made the catch, got his feet in like consistently. Um, so having a guy like him, even if he's not, uh, you know, probably not going to hit that thousand yard mark like the, like he does almost every single season. Um, it, it's still nice to have a guy like that to where he's getting into this rhythm now and, and you have CD lamb doing CD lamb things, but then also you're like, well, if they are able to take away CD lamb, like, Hey, we also have Brandon cooks and, and that's just a real luxury to have. So we have seven questions left with under 10 minutes to go. I think we can do it in under 42 minutes. Uh, B1, who deserves more snaps as sort of like a backup defensive end? Dante Fowler, Sam Williams, or Dorrance Armstrong? All three players had uh, an impact on Saturday's game. Dante Fowler specifically looked like he was shot out of a cannon on one run stop. Um, any of those guys deserve a little bit more 
No, I split. I keep splitting it. I think Sam Williams is good at times. I feel like Dorrance is great at times, and I feel like Fowler is good at times. I feel like you keep them all rested. You know, keep them healthy. Let them rotate in and out. Keep them fresh. You know, against the against an offensive line that's going to be uh, offensive line that's going to be playing a lot of downs. You keep those guys fresh. They're going to come in and just come in like a like a, a battering ram. And I think that's the way to do it. They're all doing their job and doing it well. It's a, it's a blessing to have that much great uh, uh, talent at pass rushing. Chris, uh, this is a good one for you because I know you were uh, ba- pounding the table for Mason Crosby, Robbie Gould, specifically Robbie Gould. I won't give you the Mason Crosby one because I know he missed a field goal this past weekend in New York. Could have been game winner. Uh, but if you had to pick a combination of special teams, Brandon Aubrey, Brian Anger, or Trent Sig, um, or you want to go Dan Bailey, Chris Jones, and LP Latasor, which combination of the three are you taking? Um, I'm taking the Brandon Aubrey one, and especially too because you know Trent Sieg, he follows me on my Instagram account. Shout out to him, Dallas Cowboys Squad. Give it a follow. So you know I gotta you know sh- you know show him some love back. But no, on a serious note, uh, Brandon Aubrey is amazing. He's Justin Tucker 2.0. He's the best kicker in the NFL right now. Um, I eat my crow on that every single day, but I'm happy to. And uh, Brian Anger is also a stud. Um, so yeah, no, I think that the special teams unit is great. The only uh, thing that I have to critique is that we gotta. Uh, the 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 um Cowboys got to stop falling for these fake punts. I mean, it's it, it's uh, bitten them twice now, and I think at some point you just got to come out more conservative. I know Fossil wants to get that punt block and you know change momentum and have that big time play, but it's just not you know you know like just just um just um be conservative and don't get beaten that way. It could have been a huge momentum changer. And you look at the guys on the outside. You have a Jalen Tolbert, and then yeah. also a uh, Sam Williams um, as as the Gunners. And yet yeah. CJ Goodwin, maybe it would be better because he's a corner uh, by trade yeah. instead of a wide receiver. But um, Howman, for you, which quarterback looking ahead, of course, to next week, would you prefer to see in Washington, Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett? I'd prefer Sam Howell. Easy one, <laughs> um, Sam Howell. I mean, like I, I was kind of defending him earlier in the year because I think, like you know. I, this is effectively his rookie year. I know last year he was a rookie, but he only played one game. Like he, he's very much still in that kind of growth and adjusting to the NFL phase. But you know, if you're if you're saying Jacoby Brissett or Sam Howell in a must-win game, you want to be facing Sam Howell, even though he has, I think, a higher ceiling. Um, he's he's not quite there yet. He is he makes you know really risky throws. He takes a lot of sacks. He he loves getting sacked. Um, and that's kind of a, a best-case scenario for this Cowboys defense, the way that their pass rush is, how opportunistic their defensive backs are. And Jacoby Brissett is just a pro's pro. Like, he's gone all around to all these different teams, all these different offenses, and and he's just – he keeps the offense on, on schedule, and that's, you know – I think the Cowboys can probably win either way, but I'd much rather see Sam Howell in this one. And we, we've seen the script before when a Washington Commanders quarterback gets their first start of the season in Week 18 against the Cowboys. It's usually not a good thing. Uh, Sam Howell last year, Jacoby Brissett maybe this year. We will see. Um, B1, does Mike McCarthy already have a new contract coming his way, given of what he's done so far? He could get his uh, 12th win again for three straight years in a row on Sunday against the Commanders, or do you need to see a little bit more in the playoffs for, for you to guarantee a new contract? I knew this question was going to come my way. If we were going to have a McCarthy question, I had a feeling that was that was my thing. Uh, I'm going to stick to my guns on this one. I, I know the contract extension talks have been going on. That's It's probably going to happen sooner rather than later, but if it was me running the team and it's not Jerry Jones doing it, uh, I need to see NFC Championship uh, in that he needs to be in that game with the boys or he doesn't get a new contract. That's just where I stand with Mike McCarthy. I think he's done a hell of a job. They've had a lot of great wins the last, you know, three seasons consecutively. But sorry, you know, if you don't get past the divisional round this year and you're not in the NFC Championship game with this talent, 
I'm not giving him a contract extension. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm all about winning winning Super Bowls and championships, not winning uh, regular season games. Uh, Chris, were you a believer in the Jimmy Johnson curse? I know this was way before our time um, when it happened, but how happy are you that it's finally lifted? I came out the womb believing in the Jimmy Johnson curse. I may be young, but I knew it was a thing. And how evident is it that it was a real thing? Because, you know, that night after that happens, the Cowboys get that lucky break, you know, in that um, Lions game. And then for the Cardinals, for Kyler Murray to just, dominate the the um the philadelphia eagles defense i mean over 400 yards they didn't punt one time i mean they came through and you know i was watching that cardinals game i was so frustrated because when they went for that onside kick and they didn't get it i was like oh it's over they were um a little too aggressive but no they came through and the cowboys just have been very lucky over the last couple days and hopefully it continues and i think when the cowboys win the super bowl this year it's going to definitely prove that that jimmy johnson curse was real not to mention that Tyler Smith fully tearing his his ligament yeah, in his exactly. foot as opposed to a partial. I mean, it's just the little things that matter, I guess. Um, Howman, is Mike McCarthy already the third best coach in franchise history behind Jimmy Johnson and Tom Landry? Uh, for the Cowboys, yes, um, I would say that. I think there's a, a legitimate debate to be had, you know, between him and you know Bill Parcells as far as like just general coaching coaching jobs that they've done throughout their career, but. You know, Bill Parcells was good in Dallas, but he really did not. There, there wasn't much consistency. There wasn't a whole lot of longevity, really, either. Um, what Mike McCarthy has done in Dallas uh, is, you know, with now three straight uh, playoff appearances, hasn't been done since the '90s. Um, you know, obviously, we need to see the success in the po- in the postseason, but he's doing things at a level that have not been done since the dynasty era. Um, doing it not only getting to the playoffs and, and winning a couple of playoff games here and there, turning the Cowboys into a very consistent team, um, which, you know, they've had stretches under, you know, Jason Garrett or, or Wade Phillips or Bill Parcells where, you know, they were able to get to the playoffs, but then the next year is like, well, you know, we might not get there. And, and this team is, they get there and then they get there the next year and they're just consistently good. Um, obviously they've run into some really tough teams in the postseason, and, and that that's really going to be the thing that, can help Mike McCarthy solidify his place as, you know, the third best coach in, you know, for the Cowboys, potentially even surpassing depending on what he does once he gets there. If, if he can get to that conference round, conference round or, or go to the Super Bowl. And, um, but I think definitely top three as of right now. Uh, B1, you have two minutes to answer this question, and I'll, I'll throw it to the other guys too as well for our last question. Uh, if the Cowboys get the number two seed, who is your preferred opponent at this point for Dallas in the first round? Green Bay, Seattle, New Orleans, or the L.A. Rams? Now, there's different scenarios in which that happens, but those seem to be the four common opponents. Of that group. Hmm. Well, we're th- well, I'm thinking about that for a quick second. I, I just want to jump on that, uh, the, the head coach thing really quick. Uh, you don't want to go with Dave Campo, a former Syracuse assistant coach. Uh, I, I figured had to get a Syracuse reference in. I was figuring Dave Campo would get a get a nod for that top of the head coaching list uh, for the Cowboys. Uh, all jokes aside, yeah, I mean, out of that group, I would probably say New Orleans. I feel like would be the the, the one I'd like the most. I just don't. I don't think they're that great of a team. I just think they match up with the Cowboys pretty well. I wouldn't want to touch Green Bay with a 10-foot pole. Uh, Jordan Love is playing some great ball. Shout out to Jay Love for helping me win a fantasy football league championship this year. So, uh, no, I don't want Jay, I don't want Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers at all out of this group. The Rams are playing hot as well. I feel like they're picking up some steam, so I don't want them. And, and the Cowboys in Seattle, that was a tough game. We played that game real tight. 
you know, I think I think we could beat them all, obviously. But um, of that group, New Orleans Saints is the team that I would want to see most. But I think the most likely at this stage is Seattle. Well, we did it at 41 minutes and 21 seconds. We answered 24 questions in under 42 minutes. Nobody said it could be done. Uh, we certainly did that. I'll, I'll throw it to you guys uh, for the final question as well. Uh, Chris, out of those opponents, who would be your preferred matchup with the Cowboys? I'm going to be honest. Um, I, you know, you know, I think the obvious answer is the Saints. But if I'm picking between the other three, I'm actually going to go with the Packers. I, I'm not really worried about the Packers as an organization. I was just worried about the bad man who's wearing number twelve. That was the Cowboys' killer, not the Packers' organization as a whole. So I don't feel as as worried playing that team at home. Um, I don't really love the idea of playing the uh, Los Angeles Rams. I know that the Cowboys played them earlier in the season and it went, you know, in the Cowboys favor early and they really, you know, um, um, took control of that game from the beginning. But I mean, I mean, that's Sean McVay. That's, that's a great um, a wide receiver duo. It, it, it's a great running game. It's Aaron Donald. Like I just, I would rather just avoid that. Um, that Seahawks game too, you know, you know, um, um, they'll have um, a Kenneth Walker, um, and um, they're just, you know, also, you know, a threatening team. Pete Carroll's a great coach as well. Like, I think that the Cowboys should and uh, can beat all four of these teams. I think that, you know, if they play up to their standards, I think that they can beat really any team in the league if they just play the way that they can play. But um, if I'm making, you know, the um, a matchmaker, if, I, if I'm playing matchmaker, I would either like to go against the Saints um, or the Packers because I'm not as worried. The only thing that concerns me is that last time the um, Cowboys played the Packers, I know that they did have Aaron Rodgers, but I feel like Mike McCarthy kind of, you know, psyched himself up a little too much for that game, you know, because I think it, you know, I, I mean, it was definitely personal for him. You know, I think it would be interesting to see how Mike McCarthy coaches that game. If he's a little too aggressive, if he, you know, is a little bit too antsy or if he's, you know, just like, um, um, just locked in and ready to go. But, but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I would go with the Packers out of uh, those three, but obviously I think the Saints is the ideal choice. Howman, how spicy would those McCarthy Chronicles be uh, if it was Cowboys and Packers wild card round with given all the history at McCarthy at AT&T Stadium, all the history between the teams and the playoffs? I mean, the last time that they played, you know, it ended with Mike McCarthy being the angriest I've ever seen him throwing that headset down, breaking the Bose uh, head system. Uh, how awesome would that be for you? Oh, it would be great. You asked how spicy it would be. It would be ghost pepper level spicy. Uh, it, it would, I would be relishing that opportunity. Um, and that's that's really who I want to, like out of those four teams. Uh, give me the Packers. Um, you know, Jordan Love has, has definitely gotten significantly better as the season has gone on, and the Packers have reason to be confident in in his future. But also, you know, you, you look at some of the defenses that he's had these games against. I'm not saying that he's fool's gold or anything, but he hasn't been playing against some of the more elite defenses. And then also, not even that, but you look at that Green Bay defense and Dak Prescott is going to be licking his chops if he gets to go up against that Green Bay defense because they, uh, they, they kind of make it easy for you. So I really like the Cowboys being in AT&T Stadium, Dak Prescott facing – that defense, and also just a little bit extra motivation from Mike McCarthy being able to, even though it's not Aaron Rodgers, it's still the team that fired him and and being able to go and get a a playoff win uh, in Dallas against the the Packers uh, and also getting revenge for that game that he lost up in Lambeau. Um, That's the team I want, but, you know, like like Chris said, like any of those four teams, they should be able to beat, especially being in Dallas. 
So I'm not too terribly worried, but I think doing it against the Packers is is the most uh, the most interesting angle to take it, and I think that'll be really fun, and I think it's a, a really great matchup for Dak in this offense. Yeah, if I had to rank them four to one, I would say I don't want to see Seattle. I think they come in a little upset, and also the three you know wide receivers that they have are playing really well right now. Um, Geno Smith could be on a heater, you know, like he was last time. L.A., uh, their defense is not as worrisome to me as Seattle's, um, but I do think that their offense is playing very, very good football right now. They also have Kyron Williams back when they didn't have him in the first matchup with the Cowboys, and I think that's a big thing. And then I would say probably New Orleans, um, just because I think that their defense is one of the, I think, more experienced defenses in the NFL. I think they have a lot of veteran players on that team, so they could always find their you know DNA, their playoff DNA, and, and kind of capture that again. But also, I, I just think Green Bay would be great just for the storyline standpoint. I think Jordan Love, the inexperience there, playoff inexperience, um, you could kind of capture that a little bit more. And also, too, the ultimate wild card in Jari Alexander. Who knows? You might get two, um, you know, the double dip at the kickoff and then also coming out of half, too, regardless with the with a coin toss uh, mix up there. So who knows? You might even be benched for the game. We'll see uh, if that were to happen. But um, we're going to actually wrap it up here. This way you guys can enjoy uh, your New Year's starting off right. We answered all the burning questions heading into 2024 for the Dallas Cowboys. So with that being said, for Brandon Clements, David Hellman, and Chris Halling, I am Brandon Laurie. Thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of the Writer's Block Podcast. And always remember, go Cowboys. Go Cowboys.